Brilliant. Well, as Toby has so eloquently pointed out, this is my, my first time here. Um, it's been a long journey to get here. And when Marcus so lovingly told me I was going to be talking about this passage, I couldn't believe it. I read it, and it, it is literally my, my story as a, as a non-believer through to a believer. And there's nothing I'm going to say this morning that hasn't already been done in, in the worship, talking about wonderful grace, in, in what people have shared, encouragements. There's no, Angela told us there's no one who can't be saved. It's, it's such truth. And all I'm going to do is try and join the dots of what's already been said this morning. So um, as, as Toby said, he, he nicked half of my preach with his intro this morning, which was good of him. <laughs> you know that God's working when it's all getting said. So um, w- this is the third uh, in our Galatians series. Goff very helpfully did the first six verses, the intro. Um, Paul, this is his, probably the first letter that Paul wrote, and it's the end of the, the hypertuke. So you've got the, the two, uh, two Corinthians uh, books, Romans and Galatians. And Romans and Galatians focus very much on grace and being saved by grace. And that's the message we're going we're gonna to sort of talk about this morning. Now, Goff, first six verses, a uh, couple of weeks ago, talked to us about, uh, right at the start, this, this gospel I have is not from man. And it's a very strongly worded letter, the tone of this letter, because the gospel of grace is at stake here. This is what he's saying. Um, and so there's no commendation to them. He's just straight into what they're doing wrong, um, which, was, which was great. Dan expanded wonderfully on this for us last week, um, saying, like, don't turn away from this gospel. You don't need to change it or add anything to it. If anyone comes to you and preaches anything in addition to what I told you, then they are to be accursed. And that is a real important point to hang on this morning. Um, now, grace is a word that gets thrown about a lot, and um, I don't know if, if you're here, you, you may not sort of fully understand what grace is, but grace is usually defined as the undeserved favor. Grace can't be earned. It's a free gift. It's given, and it's given by Jesus out of what he has done for us. So um, today, we're, we're just going to kind of look a little bit at that. Um, but the, the key point in this as we, we look at these verses is about people who change. You know, Paul does a massive U-turn in life, and we're going to see his past life through to where he is now. Um, And we're going to look at some other U-turns. There's been some other big U-turns in history. Uh, The Emperor Constantine, he was the first Roman emperor to accept Christ, and he ended about a 100-year persecution of Christians by doing so. It's a massive, massive change. Uh, William Wilberforce, You'll all know a guy who uh, ended up abolishing the slave trade, but, but he made a massive U-turn. He was fine with it for a period of time. And then after his conversion, he realized that that was such a bad thing and ended up abolishing the slave trade through what he did. I changed. If we, if we look at the next slide, this is a book. Uh, this is my end of physiotherapy book at the end of 2006 when I graduated. If you can move to the next slide. Um, we all wrote things about each other, some satirical things. You can see I was that annoying child at university. I wanted to answer every question, so I put my hand up. But one of my friends who knew me so well, he knew I was so anti-Christianity that I would never, ever, ever turn to Christianity and said I'd have a vision and become a priest. That was never going to happen in my life. It certainly wasn't the life I was living. But yet here we are. <laughs> here we are. Just a short few years later, I'm stood in front of you talking about this Bible, this gospel, 
and what it's done for me and what it does for all of us. So you pay special attention to people who change their views in life because it's often an admission they've got something wrong. And that's certainly, that's certainly my admission. I've definitely got it wrong. Um, so let's dive into the passage. I'm just going to pray for us. And then Chris, Chris Wayland, one of our wonderful guys, part of our authentic, our students in 20s ministry, he's going to come and read the passage for us. But Father God, I just, just want to echo everything that's been said and sung here today. Please let us grasp your wonderful grace. Let us understand that there is no person who cannot be saved by your wonderful grace and the words that you, the things you've done for us, um, you can save anyone. And I pray that that sits deep in us, changes our lives today again. Amen. Hello. Um, This is from 1 Galatians 11 to 24. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not a man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in in Judaism, how I was persecuted in the church of God violently um, and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach to him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea and and that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Brilliant. So uh, just a couple of verses for my first time out. That's, uh, that's really good. Um, uh, we're going we're gonna to sort of unpack some of the key statements here, but we're going to look at four points. Um, Paul's history, the fact that he was set apart in the womb, then called by grace, and finally, so that I might preach him. Um, Paul's backstory, his previous life. I'm going to read this verbatim, so please allow me to look at my notes while I do this from, from Phil Moore's excellent commentary. If you haven't got this, this will be a massive help to you as we go through this book. Um, Unless we grasp the full scandal of what Paul was preaching, freedom by faith and not works, we won't understand why as soon as he got back on the boat to Syria, the churches rode back and let the Judaizers have their way. So Paul's first missionary journey was about 10 months long, they reckon, um, and he covered a lot of ground. He went to 10, 15 different places, so he wasn't in each place for very long. Um, 
you can see that there from, from where he starts. Um, and he's, after he moved on, as was the way, these Jews called Judaizers would come, follow him into where he'd been, and sort of make a bit of an attack on his credentials. And what they'd say was, oh, that Paul, yeah, he's a good man. He's, he's kind of okay. Um, but um, Jesus, yeah, he's important. You know, he is the son of God. But Paul's kind of holding out on you. The only way you're going to get true salvation is through circumcision and holding on to the law of Moses that our forefathers were given. Um, and to, to, do, to sort of confirm that, they'd make a couple of personal attacks on Paul. So they'd say that Paul wasn't a real apostle. He wasn't a first-rate apostle. He hadn't walked with Jesus. He hadn't been commissioned by Jesus in person. Um, and they'd also say that he was a people pleaser. He was afraid to tell you the, the full truth that you needed Moses' law because it's hard. You know, it's hard to grasp. It's hard to stick to. And so to win a hearing with you, he just preached grace. Yeah, just believe, just believe, just believe, and you'll go to heaven. And so they really downplayed what Paul had preached to them about grace. And so we can understand as we go forward from there why Paul is now responding with some of the words he uses and some of the ways he talks because he's arguing back saying, well, no, no, that's, that's not the truth. So you can imagine, like they say in the modern day, don't they, don't ever write an email when you're angry. I think Paul wrote this letter with vehemency um, and anger, probably spit a, a split a couple of nibs and put through his paper a few times as he's dotting I's and crossing T's. Well, if he wrote like that. Um, but, um, and, and, and it's easy for us to forget how fought and fraught, how hard Paul fought for this gospel. If we look at him, you know, he's beaten up in two cities where the Jews wouldn't hear of his freedom of grace. In Ephesus, he's nearly lynched as he calls to them to renounce their Artemis worship. Um, in, uh, in Lystria, he's stoned almost to death. In fact, they thought he was dead. When he fell to the ground, they thought he was dead. You know, um, and in Damascus, where he first preached after his conversion, they hated him so much that he had to be hidden in a basket and lowered down from the, the walls of the city so that he could escape without being killed. Now, I don't know about you, that doesn't sound like a people pleaser to me. I don't think he was pleasing anybody with what he was saying. He was questioning everything that they'd been taught before. So far from, I mean, there's a much easier way. He could have just stuck with what he'd learned his entire life. It's a much easier way than what he did to please people. So I think he, he then talks about his history. So Paul gives a history. His Hebrew name, Saul, Greek name, Paul. He didn't get a new name when he, he was converted. But Saul of Tarsus. Tarsus was a really wealthy Jewish city. He was from a wonderful historical family. He could trace his line of lineage back to the, ben, uh, the tribe of Benjamin. So he was a proper Jew. Came from a rich family. He would have been taught the Torah as a child. He was well educated. And after that, he was then sent to Jerusalem to study at the foremost rabbi of the day, Gamaliel's feet. And he individually taught Paul. Paul was well on his way to being the, the most influential Jewish rabbi of his day. Um, and, um, and with that, he was also a Roman citizen. You know, Paul, we're told, is a Roman citizen later in, in the Bible. So he had an inroad into the culture. He could have any influence he wanted. 
So where it says he was zealous, he was zealous for his, uh, his forefathers' ways, he was. We first meet Saul uh, in Acts 7 at Stephen's stoning. It says that all the Jews were dropping their cloths at his feet, and he approved of Stephen's stoning, and that started a massive persecution of Christians. Um, and he was uncompromising. The word zealous for us means fanatical, uncompromising in their pursuit of their religious or political aims. Um, and zealots, the zealots were a, a very small sect of hyper-Jews, as it were. They believed um, that they wanted a Jewish theocracy for the world. They wanted the Jewish way, their way, to be the way that ruled the world. And Paul was heading for that. He would have certainly been influenced by it um, in his early life. And it was his definitive worldview. He was all in for this. He was not going anywhere else. You know, for me, it was atheism. I was all in for atheism. My dad sat at the back there. When we went off to university, he bought my brother a Bible. He bought me uh, Stephen Hawking's The Universe in a Nutshell. That was my Bible of the time. Um, and, you know, no clever words were going to change this man. So convinced was he of what he believed. Saul had seen the crucifixion. He'd rejected the resurrection. Not for him. He was happy where he was. And all of us, all of us in this room who maybe say that we, we now believe in Jesus, we probably would identify with being like that at some point in our lives. Maybe that's, that's where you are now. You're not totally sure of Jesus, who he is, his resurrection. I would plead with you, plead with you to grapple with this and understand it fully before you make any decision about how to live your life. It made everything to me to grapple with this, and it took me a long time. Um, it means that all the bad things you've ever done in life can be totally forgiven. And if you're not sure... Speak to someone you came with, grab any of us. We'd all love to help you understand better what grace means. Okay, so my, my next point, moving on from that. Paul says he is set apart in the womb. You know, God's sovereignty is, is kind of what he's aiming at here. Sovereign means you're above things, you're above all of it. You're sovereignly sitting above. And this is, this is kind of what Paul is getting at here. And he's saying that... that God was above him. He knew what was going to happen. Imagine it. He's talking about the womb. In the womb, as his brain grew, as the nerves outgrew from his spinal cord towards what would be his muscles, as the cartilage of his spinal, co spinal column formed around him, as his heart pumped blood, as his mother's umbilical cord fed him, at this point, God set him apart. He knew he was going to use Paul's life. This is what Paul is trying to say here. I didn't get this from no man. No one taught me this. Here, here, right here at the start of my life, God had set me apart. And Paul was an expert at outside-in religion, at legalism. The Mishnah was what the, the Jews and the Pharisees had added to the Ten Commandments. There were 248 extra commands 365 prohibitions and over 1,500 amendments that had been added by the rabbis since the Ten Commandments had been given. If you know any lawyers and you sit in their offices and you can see their volumes of the books of the law, the Ten Commandments would have been there. But all 
all of this would have been added row after row after time. Man's addition to what God had given. And this is the point that, that this is where Paul was in life. When he clashed with the Jews in Galatia as he tried to spread the gospel, he didn't clash with them because he didn't have any empathy for their way of life. He clashed with them because he knew it inside and out. And he'd rejected it. God, Jesus, had revealed himself to him and blown apart his false religion. So all our stories, you know, when I first became a Christian, I sat looking at the things I'd done in my life. I was all in for the culture of the day. I sat looking at the things in my life going, really? Can he really forgive me for all the things I've done? Yes, he absolutely can. He absolutely can. No one is beyond that. So, you know, this guy, this guy was the antithesis of a Christian. He was the other side. He couldn't be further away. As it says in the Bible, east is from west. He was that far away from God. Yet, Jesus changed his life. So, no matter how bad or good you feel your story is, God's sovereignty can change your story around. The U-turn that we talked about. So now on to the best bit, called by grace. We'll look at a little bit at Acts 9, Saul's conversion here. So in Acts 9, 1 to 19, we get Saul's conversion. So he talks about being zealous for his faith. Well, he'd gone to the Sanhedrin and he'd got letters from the Sanhedrin to take to all the cities where you might find people of the way or Christians. And, and what he'd asked for is for them to be bound transported back to Jerusalem for judgment or just to be killed there and then in the street. He was happy with that. He was happy with that. And not just men as was custom of the time. It was men and women. This guy was so zealous for his Jewish faith. He was happy to leave children without parents. This was the guy that we, that we see. And we see in verse 4 on the road to Damascus, a blinding flash of light him and his companions knocked to the floor and Jesus says to him, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul responds by saying, Lord, like he, he recognizes that this is a significant power. When he gets up, everyone around him sort of acknowledges that this has happened. It didn't just happen to Paul, it happened to all his companions as well. But Paul can't see, he's blind. So he's transported, helped by his friends up to Damascus. And there he sits for three days blind doesn't eat anything, doesn't drink anything, just in his mind. And I would probably go as far as to say this is where the Holy Spirit came to him, started ministering to him, um, and he started to change his life from the inside out as opposed to the outside-in religion that he'd had before. And then this poor guy, Ananias, he's the, he's the prophet, the local prophet, um, and God speaks to him and says, Ananias, you need to go and find this man Saul of Tarsus. Um, he is my appointed prophet. He will minister my gospel to the Gentiles and the Jews. And Ananias is like, really? What, that guy? <laughs> you know, you want me to send him? He kills people. You really want me to go there? But his actions were to follow boldly in faith. And he goes and speaks to Paul. The little, whatever they are, scales fall off Paul's eyes. And he's ready to go. He's ready to go. So he then goes out. And this is the next bit he says. You know, um, he goes, well, I didn't go anywhere and get taught this. Like, I didn't go up to, to Jerusalem for three years. I went out 
into Arabia. We can all conjecture as to why he went into Arabia, but um, I'll talk to you about that at the end if you want to. Um, so, you know, f- for me, if I relate that to my story, when, when Jesus first came to me, um, less than 18 months after that, I was on a mission trip. So less than 18 months after that quote was wrote about me, I was on a mission trip. Five years after that, I was here, getting baptized, becoming a Christian. Um, such was the time that it took to, to work through. So, you know, one of the phrases I learned while I was out in, in uh, Tanzania was Tuilea Simba. It's key Swahili, and it means easy tiger. All right? You might be sat there going, what, so I get converted, and then I'm just off? Three years, I'm off. I'm going to preach the gospel all around the world. Thankfully, for most people, their conversion story is not that stark. Okay, so don't be, don't be afraid. You're not going to just get sent out straight away. For me, it took a good five years of working through my questions. And I'm glad to sit here and say that there are wonderful people who've helped me on my journey before I became a Christian, um, sat here with us today. But... Paul also refers to himself in 1 Timothy as the worst of sinners. And he was the worst of sinners. You know, this is a guy who murdered people for his belief in another faith. He had done terrible things. When he's being beaten and being whipped and being stones thrown at him, he's like, no, 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 I kind of deserve this. I have done worse than this. That's why he was so ardent for his faith. A man who'd made that massive U-turn. And finally so that I might preach him. Well, this is, this is the best bit, isn't it? After Jesus comes to us and changes our life, he gives us a story to work with. We've all got a backstory. Everybody sat here who calls himself a Christian has got a wonderful story that God has given them. The stuff that I did in my former life, God has used. He's used that story to help me when I need to talk to other people about him. And I love doing that. I love sharing the gospel. Um, and he wants us to do that. You know, the, I'm going to read this straight out of this book. So please, excuse me. Verse 16 ends with the phrase, in me, which can be translated to inside me. So this is another attack for Paul saying, I did not get this from man. You know, I got this from a divine revelation of Jesus. So, Paul wants the Galatians to understand that God in me, in Moy, is the only reason he has been forgiven for his sins. Far from earning God's approval, his outside in religion turned him into a monster and an enemy of God's church. He wasn't forgiven because he observed the Jewish law, but because God set him apart in his mother's womb and called him by grace to reveal his son in me. While he was still an enemy of God, the Lord broke into his heart and saved him from the inside out, convincing him to trade the easy life, a righteousness of his own law as a Pharisee, for the righteousness which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith alone. If we move to the next slide, I think if, you, if you're going to take anything away from today, I'd love you to take this away if that slide will come in a second. But your story is important. Your story is incredibly important. Remember it. So here, this is a pictorial reference of what 
essentially this book of Galatians is about Jesus and his resurrection and equals freedom to change. The freedom for all of us to change from where we were to loving God and to living out his purposes. If we just slide the crossbar of the cross just down a little, Jesus plus anything other than grace and faith, there's no freedom in it. This is what he's saying to the Galatians. Don't add anything to my gospel. Don't add circumcision. Don't add works. It is through grace alone that you are saved. You know, Paul's story, that transitional story, has changed the lives of billions of people by reflecting God's limitless grace. This guy was that far away. He could never get back on his own. Only grace could save him. For me, and and for all of us, it, it, it might cost us something in our story following Jesus. For me, it did. You know, I had a career that I loved. I was working in elite sport for for Norwich City Football Club. Whether you think that's elite or not is um, up to you. I certainly thought it was. Um, But it cost me that career. Standing up for what I believed in because of God having changed my life meant I had to leave. But it's been five years since I left. And I wouldn't trade a second of it. It's given me more time to be here, to learn this. It's given me more time to be a husband and a father to my children. And I look forward to what my life is going to look like now because of what Jesus has done for me. I don't, I wouldn't go back for a second. You know, as soon as I was out of football, I realized just how oppressive and bad it was. I'm not saying it is for everyone. It certainly was for me. But what does it look like for each of us to preach the gospel? And it is going to look different for all of us. Preaching isn't just doing what I'm here doing on the stage. It can mean a number of things. But Paul encourages us to be bold in sharing our story. Wherever he's put you, wherever God has put you, your story is so important for the people around you. And he's called you to be bold in sharing it, whatever the cost. It might be just being bold enough to share with your friends in a social group. Or when it comes up at work, say, no, 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 I believe in this. You know, I've, I've had it, what, you believe a guy was resurrected from, from death to life. You're crazy. Well, I'm not crazy. But you can then talk to them about all of this wonderful stuff. All of this stuff that's here. Paul's conversion. Why would you make that decision unless you knew it was true? He'd gone from not an easy life, but a life which was set. He chose a different path. Because Jesus came to him and he knew it was true. And that can be true for all of us here today. We can know it's true. So only God's grace and Jesus' death gives us that freedom to change. Nothing else. Nothing else. So um, that's going to come to the end of where I am today. If you take nothing away, Jesus plus his resurrection is total freedom. Jesus plus anything else, no freedom at all, okay? Um, But I think it'd be great for us to respond to this. So I'm going to ask the the band to come back up. They're going to lead us in worship. Uh, I'm going to ask some of the ministry team to, to come down here and be ready to pray for people. 
We always say, like here, that come into land or bring it back into land. I don't want us to come into land today. We're up in the heavenlies realizing what Jesus has done for us. Stay there. Stay there. Accept it. Enjoy it. Feel God's love for you. Our society yearns after something for nothing. Everything is, what can I get for nothing? An undeserved gift. Well, the best undeserved gift you can ever have is right here. Right here in this Bible. God's grace on us. Jesus has paid the debt, and you can live in the freedom of it by faith alone. I don't know. I was chasing after a free gift when I was looking at this. And I can't believe, I couldn't believe people didn't see it more. A free gift, and it's yours, just by faith alone. So, look, if you're, um, if you're not a Christian, and you want to wrestle with this a little bit more, you want to grapple with this wonderful concept of grace, then please you know, feel free to come down the front or come after this is all finished and grab Marcus, Toby, me, the people you came with, whoever. If you're a Christian and you want a fresh encounter of God's grace and mercy today, come down, be prayed for. And if you've stopped telling your story wherever you're placed in your social groups or in your work and you want to be prayed for and encouraged to share, start sharing again boldly in faith this message of grace and come and be prayed for. Please, I'll hand you back over. Tom. Shall we stand? Thanks, Chris.